OFM, the sound of your life. And it's not always that the conspiracies come looking for us because we're normally the guys that go looking for the conspiracy theories out there. But a while ago, we did a wonderful article in our conspiracy corner about a lady called Elizabeth Clara, a South African lady who back in the 1950s and 60s claimed that uh, she had a relationship with an extraterrestrial. Not only that, she was taken to another world, had a child And that child now lives with his dad. And, believe it or not, people in South Africa found this quite interesting. Not because of us. (laughs) They've been looking into this for a while. And now, they are actually releasing a wonderful movie and documentary highlighting what Elizabeth Clara went through and uh, what the story behind the story is. Hopefully, we'll find out what the story is in this wonderful new documentary. And it's all courtesy of... Uga Carlini, she is the director of this wonderful new uh, documentary called Beyond the Light Barrier. And it's uh, been released on the 6th of October already. Uga, welcome to the show. What did you find in the process of making this documentary film? Well, I think controversial is a very good choice of word. The world out there, the sort of more, you know, straightforward... This can rattle some bones, and um, and I say that because it's taken me thirteen years to thirteen years to complete this film. Because of that, because everyone wanted to see it, but no one wanted to give me the money. Uh huh. This was supposed to be my first film, so this is where I started as a filmmaker. It turned out to be my third, but I remember. I mean, so thirteen years ago, when I, you know, I was I was green and bright eyed. And um, I, you know, I would go to Itfa and hot dogs and walk around not understanding why everyone has got these raised eyebrows when I want to make a non-fiction film about a lady who had an extraterrestrial lover and went to space and had his baby and brought some... What a story, though. What a story. And, yeah. and, and I mean, we're going to get to some of the facts now. The fact that it's, that it's a female... In the 1950s. I mean, we know what life was like back then. People weren't taking women seriously. Like you could barely go to university back then. Now, she's claiming <laughs> she had a baby with an E.T. you got to think people are going to go, no, no. Iritani moet groendakies doen. This want to say moet gaan. I mean, if you look at some of the facts, she presented in front of the UN her case. And she had knowledge that these oaks were like, there's something behind this. Because, I mean, somebody that didn't go to university shouldn't be knowing all of this, you know. And She did go to university. That's what makes it interesting. You see, and, 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 and that's, that's the crazy part. So not only she was an educated woman, she, she might have known what she was talking about. What do you think? Did it really happen? So I'm going to backtrack because the word allegedly <laughs> also needs to get used a lot um, in my experience. And not always, but often. So she allegedly has a meteorology degree. She's a metri- She was a meteorologist. I could not find. I could not back that up. And, and I. I mean, I went as far as so apparently, or not apparently, for sure, at Cambridge University, they've got records from the very first day that that university opened. So you can go right back into whenever you want to go into. But I just want to say before we diss things. There are some things I could prove. Yes. What I couldn't prove was the youth. So she allegedly, she, she went to meet on, had babies, but also brought back scientific knowledge that was impossible for a human that time to have. Lo and behold, a female. So she allegedly went to the UN. She allegedly went to the House of Lords. And in 1975, she allegedly went to Wiesbaden, where 22 of the world's greatest minds 
attended this conference where she presented her findings. Now that I could prove. And there you actually, in the documentary, there's, there's photos of the, of the program. There's photos of her standing there with a little South African flag, if I'm not mistaken, or their flags. There's lots of flags. So if so, she, if, if, if this was a hoax, it was a very, very elaborate hoax. Um, and, and she kind of stuck to her story. The, the problem with hoaxes are that somewhere you start running into your own lie, you know, and if, if, if you stick to your guns like she has, uh, it's, it's very hard to prove that you're crazy. And you've got to go like, eh, maybe she's got something here. I think for me, one of my favorite moments in the film, something that just really stuck in my mind. For me, Nurse Stella, the Scottish nurse who took care of her when she died, which is my biggest one of my, actually, there's a few, biggest issue with this alleged man called Archon from Meaton, where they're so clever and so awesome and so perfect, but his girlfriend is back on earth, dying the most horrible death of cancer, and he couldn't fix that when he can allegedly fix everything else. So he can transverse interstellar inter space, but um, yeah. and I can give you the meaning of life, basically, but I, but I can't mm. heal your, your disease. Yeah, but in, on my planet, I don't die. I don't get ill. I nibble a little plant, and that's my contraceptive. I bath in my water, and my water's full of minerals and all my vitamins. Great. <laughs> Fix her. Help her, you know, or at least give her a plant. Because apparently you can do everything. From my studies into these abduction cases, etc., a lot of the times these abduction cases can be explained by something that could have happened in your mind, not necessarily physical. And if there's no evidence of your body being taken away, there's no distinction because in your mind, you think it was real. If no one can confirm to you that your body wasn't here, in your mind, you weren't here. And you're going to believe that till the day you die. Do you think this might have been something that was very real, but only in her mind? To answer your question, that obviously has come up a lot. Number one, she wasn't abducted. She went willingly. My issue there is he groomed her from the age of eight, according to her story. She doesn't see it like that. What I believe, I think for me, this is an environmental form. And I think she is one of our biggest and greatest environmentalists who knew. There's no point in speaking to the already converted. The, the people who watch environmental films are already environmentally inclined. We need to speak to the not converted to the mainstream, to the masses, right? How better to pop some alien lovemaking of course. and interstellar space travel? It's like a there. Daniel Steele novel with some UFO, Dean Koontz stuff thrown in the middle. Let's sure. go. And if you read, if you read the lovemaking scene, you know it's red velvet. Like he rubs her thighs a little bit, and a baby pops out. I mean, you know what I'm, wow. what I'm saying? It puts Fifty it's, Shades of Grey in a whole new light, eh? Oh, and Fifty Shades of Grey never had red velvet, so you know, <laughs> they missed the boat there. So, so I think, I think, I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I think there's so much we don't know about all of this. Last year, her son phoned me, her Earth son that she had with a previous husband, and he said to me, he's leaving the country. He's got two suitcases. One suitcase he's going to throw away with his mum's stuff, and the other suitcase he's taking with. And I'm like. Just wait there. I mean, I'm answering your question in a long way. I'm coming. 
Because, I mean, why are there suitcases that I don't know about? Let's just, because, I mean, remember. There must be stuff inside those suitcases. What is in there that I'm not aware of? So the stuff he gave me that he was going to throw away, I even got the painting. I've got the only evidence of that alien, which is the painting. Who painted it? Mm. Picasso. (laughs) 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 But the other suitcase was already gone on the in the trek. And I still don't know what's in there. Mm. So and I and I get David gives me bits and pieces and I respect that. I respect that, you know, he's given me so much. And and so many people have, have spoken on camera for the first time. Does he believe his mom? Well he, he, he I don't want to give it away. He does and he doesn't, but he tells you why. And it's completely understandable. He's had two UFO experiences of his own. So to answer your question, here comes my answer now after all of this. I think she was an incredible environmentalist. And I think she chose one hell of a way to get people's attention for that. So for that, I commend her. Personally, I think there was some kind of an experience. I don't know what that experience is. But I also think that there's the potential of severe trauma somewhere. And that over time, this became her reality. Paul Slabolevsky in the film summarizes it so beautifully and and for me that is the gentlest and kindest way to put this she lied her truth there's truth here what the truth is we will never know and i give you lots of reason to believe it and lots of reason not to probably more not to but there's still reasons to believe it so it's more an an, an agenda clothed in a clothed in a fairy tale if i can put it that but, way. yes that's nice but I would add to that that parts of these fairy tale might be rooted in reality mm-hmm. and we will never know. And, th- and that's quite nice for me because I found so much not to believe that I didn't want to find more not to believe because I still, I still really respect, okay, except for all the drama that we deal with in the film. Outside of that, there is a South African year that she still did go to these conferences she was lauded by many people in the world. And you must also remember when you meet her in the film, she's an old lady that Already, a year yeah. after that she died. But when this was going on in the heyday, the only one photo I could find was from a Deliver magazine, <laughs> which apparently I think was the prequel to Heisgenet. That became the Heisgenet, if I'm not mistaken. Some way someone told me that. Don't know if it's true, just saying. Where she's standing there, 1958, Marilyn Monroe, eat your heart out, padded bra, pearls, <laughs> tiny waist, looking at the stars, looking fab. That's the woman that had... Came up with all this. So she was easy on the eye. She was intelligent. She spoke like a woman of that time should have, which is that little voice there. You know, because obviously we shouldn't have a lot of voices. Mr. President. <laughs> So, so, and I, and, and I look at that and I, and I think to myself, the one, I want to tell you this as well. So, I spoke, like I said, 13 years of shooting, spoke to people all over the world. Spoke to a lot of people who did not believe her. Spoke to a lot of people who did. But the one thing that everyone had in common that ever met her or even just spoke to her over a phone or whatever was that they all said the same thing. She was otherworldly. There was something so magnetizing about her. And when you watch the film, Credo Mutwa, 
tells you why. And that's also stuck in my head where I go, that then will explain why you just left it to rot and die because she sort of came as a sacrificial lamb. I don't want to say because I want you all to go watch the movie. <laughs> but, but what Krina Mutwa says about why she always covered her ears and all these little clues, and she did always cover her ears. I went right back into photos. Ears were always covered. Go check that out. Middle Earth, more, man. You know, that's another interview. The, the, the problem is that Charles Manson was also kind of otherworldly. And that's that's where that's where that's where it gets a little blurry for me because I mean look I've met very very interesting people that were very believable they took all my money and I believe them you know um, congratulations by the way um, this film has been recognised around the world and you spent some time with the Female Eye Film Festival in Toronto how was the film received over there. I'm aware we won. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> and, um, and it was so special because my, my cinematographer, Georgia Court, went with me. And she's been with me on this film. She's the very first person in the world that gave me my first yes as a filmmaker when we met on a Sandra Prinsler shoot. And um, and another friend of mine, my, my best friend from drama days, Janet, who lives in Canada now, also went with us. So, I mean, that, for me, that just made it super special. Um, the film was so well received. We had a lot of South Africans come and support us there. He's living in Toronto, Dion, and all kinds of good people. Some of Paul Slobolevsky's friends came. So it was just, listen, I, I always say, as a filmmaker, I'm just grateful when people want to see the film, I mean, because that's why I wake up in the morning. That's why I can take 13 years because I know somewhere there's an audience. And to then win Best Foreign um, Documentary, I mean, wow. That's one of the biggest film, uh, female film festivals in the world. So, um, and, and showcasing and a female that went through some, whether you believe in it or not, is, is yeah. besides the case. I mean, we're showcasing sure. a, a female story in a in a time when females weren't taken seriously. Um, and and now you take this film, take it to the world, take South Africa to the world, and you bring home the silverware. Well done. Proud of you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, was like, I had to unpack at the airport because I thought I could carry the trophy through. And they were like, because it, it's an eye. It's literally eye with eyelashes like out of metal and they were like that's a dangerous object and I literally had to unpack I had all my clothes in my hand luggage and my trophy in my bag somebody <laughs> might have said you went to the Illuminati Awards you never know <laughs> take the conspiracy to a whole new level tell us what's uh, what's what's in the future oh the future is bright Uga Colini um, can't stop making films now that she's won come on yeah yeah, listen, the hustle is always real, though, no matter how many times you've won and what you've won. Um, but, yes, there's certainly a potential fiction version coming up. Um, one of my other films, it's, it's exciting times for the female-driven heroine stories on Tuvercal Creations slate. Love it. So, um, in conclusion, I just want to yes. uh, wrap it up with... with just a couple of oh. more questions about <laughs> Elizabeth. Um, yes. and I was talking about Stella. I didn't tell you about the nurse. We, but we're going to get there. That's part oh. of my, my final my final part. So so okay. we've got these people that, that have been in and out of her life. Um, you didn't get to speak to her 
to her ex or her, her husband that she had the child on earth with, uh, I presume. Is there any is there any um, uh, documentation where where he said anything about his wife and his uh, <laughs> his wife's former ex lover? So it's ex wife. So ex wife. She- so they got divorced. So she was actually divorced twice. All right. And that alone for the 50s also says a hell of a lot. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's because women weren't allowed to do that, of course. Um, so, so with, with this, so this is the two, she had two kids with her second husband. And then her third partner, Colonel Fielding, who she met through her, this time of the space, South Africa's first lady of space, he just always laughed and said, well, Archon is nowhere to be seen, and he's the one who has her. So he wasn't threatened by it at all, and he did after all meet her because of this. But um, just to put it in perspective, you know, David, so her daughter Marilyn passed away from the same breast cancer, and David, her earth son, is now in his 70s. So most of the people that can back things up are actually dead. And we also lost a lot of the people in people in our film who passed away because the film took 13 years to make. So a lot of people are quite old that we could get hold of. And and, and, and do you think it was something that was kind of kept under the covers or, or do you think people just dismissed it? But why, why, obviously because you're making the film, it's uh, the, the story's made a resurgence as well, but that's not how we discovered it in the first place, not necessarily from watching your film. Well, it's, it's, it was just something that was floating around. But why haven't we as South Africans heard about this story before in, in such a big manner? Because, I mean, it's a big thing. It's, it's, it it's, a, it's a massive story of a woman in South Africa having this wild experience. Why have we never heard about this? Do you think uh, uh, the, the National Party government didn't want crazy women on, on the national television back in the day? Well, the thing is that parts of her book actually aligned with their politics. Which is strange, um, which you mentioned yeah. earlier, because, I mean, yeah. obviously she wasn't the most uh, <laughs> multicultural loving person in the world. But, but yet... Her best friend, one of her best friends was Krita Mutwa, and she even got arrested for visiting him in Soweto at the time. Yeah, but she so, had she had alter, ulterior motives, you know? She had yeah, to listen, get him on her John side. Cody, John Cardi explains that so beautifully, so I'm, I'll let him do the talking on that. Fantastic. So you have to watch the film yet again. <laughs> nice. um, I, You know, Elizabeth Clara has a cult status following in the States. The book Beyond the Light Barrier is lauded in, in certain circles and... And by groups of We know what those circles look like as well, you know. Sorry? We know what those circles look like. So maybe that's why I didn't (laughs) take hold in South Africa that much. But I think South Africa, South Africa, and not just South Africa. Remember, we're also a lot less people maybe than in America. So where the alternative groups will be bigger, it's also also a population thing. But I think South Africa had so much on their plate to deal with that maybe this is why it it um it disappeared at times but if you look at the newspaper clippings i have and and all the press stuff there was a time though where it seemed to have been all over the place but the people who remember that are now either passed away or very old so 
I would like to, well, I'd like to think that that's all about to change. You know? uh, this is going to open up a can of worms and you're going to get some tinfoil hat guys in America that are going to delve deep into this thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if, we, if we see some follow-up documentaries from one of these one-man bands and they might find something that we missed somewhere, you know? And it uh, might... Good luck. good luck with that. I have to. <laughs> and um, what's interesting is many of them are quite angry with me. Uh, and we've seen that quite publicly. Because um, obviously, this is not just the truth. This is a documentary film. I, I, I wanted to find out for myself and I share that with you so that you can make up your own mind. So I think in some circles, um, it's seen as a betrayal. And that's okay. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Well, and then lastly, to conclude, yes, yes. tell me everything about Stella. I need Stella. to know everything. <laughs> okay, so so firstly, you've got to describe Stella. Stella was this is this incredible Scottish woman. No bullshit, can I say that? Mm -hmm. No, no nonsense type. Um, and she was the nurse at the hospice where Elizabeth spent her last days. And she tells you in the film, she tells you how Elizabeth all she spoke about was her time on meet on and everyone at the hospital would come sit on a bed as they as she told them her stories now because of the cancer elizabeth had it, it was a very very intense and very she had a very painful last few months on this planet so she would she was giving a lot of morphine and the combination of the medication basically if there were any secrets to be told it would come out so if there were any lies, it would come out because the concoction of medication would allow to that. So even during that time, the story was solid. There were no inconsistencies. Okay, so that's interesting. Then, my favorite part. Now, that did not make the film because a bloody dog started barking <laughs> and you can't hear the audio, but we were there. You know what was said. And I have my crew with me that will vouch for this. Cross my heart, hope to die. Yeah. Stick a needle no in my eye. <laughs> but um, she said, she told us that Elizabeth suddenly called Stella. Stella apparently had a twin sister who at the time when we shot the documentary also passed away. So the twin sister was could vouch for this. Um, and she called them to her bed. And she just looked at them and she said, He's here. Ocon is here. I came to fetch her at the end. And Aww. wait, don't, don't be mean. Aww. Hang on. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, how did you know? And then, and then she said, he's here. And there was this flash of lights, lights, lights outside the window. And she was gone with a smile on her face. You see, he didn't have to heal her from cancer. He just came and took her away in a different body. You know? Allegedly. Allegedly. Wow, what a story. What a phenomenal, phenomenal journey you must have had uh, putting this together. I hope that um, it's is, is it done now? Or is there a part two? Do you still have some uncovering to do? Uh, or, or are we done? This, this, the documentary took enough of my life. <laughs> and there were massive sacrifices, personally as well, for this. 
Um, I mean, those that would have happened anyway, but this, the, the, the process certainly helped that all along. But what I'm not done with is the fiction version. Ah. So watch this space. And please go follow Tuvercourt Creations or Beyond the Light Barrier. I want to see all the all the great CGI and special effects in the fiction yes, version. Yes, right. <laughs> Ugo Carlini, director of the brand new documentary film Beyond the Light Barrier, uh, showcasing the life of the infamous Elizabeth. Wow. <laughs> and I must say, um, Mrs. Clara is 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 our very own, as you described her. Um, psychic Marilyn Monroe and we'll try and remember her like that um, and hopefully uh, if anyone watches this documentary and has some info that got lost in a suitcase that someone forgot to pack somewhere please let Uga know <laughs> I am comfortably standing by myself I know except for a son who has the suitcase after him I am the kenner. I love it. On this story. Okay, uh, just a quick reminder for our listeners, if they want to watch the documentary, where can they find it? On Amazon Prime. And um, you might have to type it into the search bar. Just don't make a spelling error because then it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't come up. So beyond the light barrier um, on Amazon Prime. And then please also follow us. Let us know your thoughts, but only if it's nice. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, let us know. And, and Nico, you need to watch and let me know personally. I shall definitely do so. And I, I love these types of things. So I will definitely give you my best, not critique, but my what I think happened. All right. And I we'll see if we can know. converge our theories at the end of the day. <laughs> got, thank you so much for your time. All the best for your future projects. And uh, keep females in the film industry going forward. Thanks for the job you do. Yes. Amen. Thank you. All right. Bye. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye. Thank you very much. Thank you, Carla. Thanks, eh? Hey. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.